First, I want to thank everyone who uh, told me that I said invalid instead of invalid in the first service. Thank you for fixing me. I was hoping Caleb would say it wrong, but he didn't, so I guess I'll just be the only one. Um, it's good to be with you. My name is Nathaniel. I'm the associate pastor here at Freedom, and uh, we're going to be continuing in John 5. Now, before we start, I do want to be totally transparent with you all, totally transparent. This may be a tough sermon for some of you, okay? Um, to be honest, it was definitely tough for me as I was studying it because today we are going to expose false teaching. We're exposing false teaching, and we really want to attack man-made truths that are going through the church today. And, and it's so important that we do this, so important. Paul says over and over again that he wants us to call out false teachers, that he wants us to call out false doctrine. I, I love the heart of Jude when Jude says at the beginning of his letter, I, I wanted to write to you about our, our common joy, our common joy, but I found it necessary, necessary to talk to you about the false teachers, the false teachers. And, and we have to, we have to expose and we have to cut out man's ways, man's teachings, man's doctrine, and we have to pursue the truth of the Word of God. And you know, my prayer all this week has been that Jesus, our Savior, He would teach us, He would teach me, that He would guide us here at Freedom so that we can take out our wrong views, however small or however big they may be, and that we would pursue the truth that God has in His Word. And so if you'll pray with me, I want to ask Him one more time to do this. Lord, first I want to thank You for your truth. I thank you for your word that tells us the gospel, that we are saved through you, that you love us, that you gave your life through us, and that you tell us you are the only way. You are the only truth and the only life. And I just ask, Lord, that if there are any types of doctrines or any types of teachings that we are holding on to in our lives that may not be true, that may come from man and that don't come from you, that you would show us those things in your love so that we can turn from them and just follow your truth, Lord. We want your truth. We want to know what's true. We want to be guided by you and you alone. And so please help us, Lord, as we look at your word, as we talk about these different teachings today. Guide us, Lord, in everything. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So today we're, we're looking at the story of the healing in the pool of Bethesda. And this is a story that most of you growing up in the church, you, you've probably heard this story many times. The story of the lame man laying by the pool, and he wants to be healed by the pool, but Jesus comes, and of course Jesus, Jesus changes his life. But there is a way bigger application than the healing. This story is not about the healing of this man. 
the story is about the false teaching that the man believed in. The fact that this man, for almost his whole life, spent his time believing in a tradition, believing in a belief that had no truth to it all. In fact, was a lie. And then Jesus steps in and shows him to say, listen, I am the one who can heal you. I am the truth. And that is what he wants us to see as we read through this story. So let's read it. John 5, verses 1 through 9, says this. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, an Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? And the sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man healed, was healed and he took up his bed and walked. Now, you may not have noticed it, but some of you Bible scholars, you've probably seen this before or heard this before. But we said verses 1 through 9, and in fact, we only read 8 verses. We only read 8 verses. Why? Because verse 4 is missing. Verse 4 is not there. In the ESV, the NASB, and most of the translations that we have today, they actually have omitted verse 4. And I know, listen, that, that sounds scary. Why are, why are we taking a verse out? Why are we removing a verse from Scripture? Because the King James Version has verse 4 there. So why did they, why did they remove this verse? Well, let, let's read the verse. I want to read verse 2 through 4, and then we'll talk about it. It says this, Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, an Aramaic called Bethesda, which says five Ruth colonnades. And these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred the water. Whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was healed of whatever disease he had. That completely changes the entire story, does it not? That changes the whole thing. Because now we have a different narrative. This pool has healing properties. Because if an angel comes and an angel stirs the pool, the first person who gets in will be healed of whatever disease, whatever problem that they have. And see, the, the truth is this. That did not truly happen. This pool did not have healing properties. There was not an angel that stirred the pool. And so it sounds like, if you think about it, we just omitted that verse because we didn't like it. We're like, well, I don't like how that sounds, so let's just take it out so we don't have to deal with that problem. That's not what happened. What happened is this. Over time, after the King James Version was written, thousands upon thousands of manuscripts were found later on. And these manuscripts, dating from 100 A.D., 
100 A.D. to 500 A.D., 400 years of manuscripts, and not one of them mentions verse 4. Not one of them. Verse 4 actually doesn't appear until the late 500 A.D., and even when it appears, it has an asterisk next to it. And that asterisk is basically saying, listen, this is an added note. This has been added in later. And so you have to understand, as we want to have the most um, accurate manuscript of Scripture, we find that verse 4, honestly, was never there in the first place. It didn't exist. It was not there till later on. And yes, the King James Version is written on later manuscripts. And so that is why verse 4 has been taken out. If you look at your Bible, you'll see what they do is they do have it. It's down at the bottom, so you can still see what it says. But they're telling you guys this was not in the original manuscripts. But it's still important. It's still important to us. Why is it important? It's important because what it's telling us is that these people had a false belief about the pool of Bethesda. We're not really sure that this belief was that an angel came and stirred the pool. But in some way, these people believed. They believed that if they could get into the pool first, they would be healed. How do we know that? Well, he tells us, listen, there are a multitude, multitude of invalids. Multitude means thousands, thousands. Now, I I would guess that there probably weren't thousands, but I think the point is this. It's exaggeration. There were so many people with so many problems hanging out around this pool. And then when this man answers Jesus, Jesus says, do you want to be healed? What's his answer? Yeah, but I can't get into the pool. I can't get into the pool. And every time I try to get into the pool, somebody gets into it first. And it's because they get into it first. There's just no way that I can get in and be healed. And, And here's the important part. For 38 years, 38 years, this man believed a teaching that, in fact, couldn't do anything for him at all. Do you see that? He believed a teaching that would never actually heal him. 38 years, I mean, I haven't even lived that long yet. And I couldn't imagine, I couldn't imagine believing, believing something for that long that couldn't even save, that couldn't even save. And see, do you realize today there are so many people believing in a man-made teaching, in a man-made religion, And they don't even realize that their teaching, that their religion will not save them. Will not save them. In fact, they are wasting, wasting this time on this false teaching. And I love that Jesus steps in, right? He steps in and he says to him, do you want to be healed? This is compassion, compassion. He walks up to this man, multitude of people there who want to be healed, and he walks up to this one man, and he says, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? All that man's got to do is say one word, yes, yes, I do, yes, I do, but but he doesn't. See, the problem is, is Jesus walks up, asks him if he wants to be healed, and what does the man do? 
he immediately points his attention to the pool. His false teaching is so strong that his teaching goes straight to the pool. Uh, Yeah, duh, I want to be healed, but I can't get in the pool. I can't get in the pool, and I can't get in there first. I can't get in there first. He doesn't look to Jesus. That's the danger of false teaching, is false teaching will keep you from fixing your eyes where they need to be, and they need to be on Christ. And, and Jesus, in his, compa- excuse me, in his compassion, he looks at him and he says this, John 5, 8 through 9. Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed, and he walked. This man had no faith in Jesus. In fact, we're going to find out later in the story, as we talk to the Pharisees, he didn't even know who Jesus was. When they ask him, hey, who healed you? He says, I I don't know. I I don't know his name. I don't know who he was. And so that tells us something very important. Jesus did not heal this man because of his faith. He did not heal this man for any significant reason because of what the man did or what the man believed. He healed this man to teach us and to teach the people around him that he is the only way, that he's the only way to be saved. He's the only way to be healed. He's the only way to have life. Your false teaching will not do that for you, but I can. I can. See the contrast, right? The contrast. And I love Jesus' power is so incredible. All he has to do is say, get up, take your bed, and walk. You don't got to wait no for, for no angel. He doesn't have to use the pool. He just says, get up and walk, right? And, you know, I, I love John 14, 6, and we know it so well. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that verse is so important as it tells us about the gospel, right? Salvation, eternal life. But you know what else we need to understand is this. That yes, while the gospel is our most significant point, everything else in scripture is just as significant. Our beliefs on every point of scripture are important, are important. We have to pursue the truth of Jesus in everything, in everything. And you know, I know our world, I know the false religions, I know atheism, I know all those things. They're saying, listen, you guys are wrong. You don't know what you're talking about. And we know, I I think we would agree as a church, that those are all false man-made teachings. All those religions, atheism, and everything. Except here's the problem. In our world today, there are pastors. There are theologians. There are denominations. Different sects of Christianity. And all of them will tell you We know the truth. We will teach you the truth of God's word, right? Listen, at Freedom, we're telling you, listen, we want to teach you the truth. We want you to know the truth of God's word. But you can go down the road to the Seventh-day Adventist church, and what are they going to tell you? They'll tell you the same thing I'm telling you. We're teaching you the truth. We want you to know the truth. The problem is we're preaching a completely different story. So, so what do we do with that? Because that raises a very important question. 
In fact, the question I think all of us, including myself and including Pastor Frank, we have to ask ourselves this question every single day. How do I know that what I believe is the truth? How do I know that everything that I believe, that everything that I am putting my whole life on, because remember, your belief, your worldview, you are betting your life on it. You're betting your whole life on it. How do you know that what you believe is the truth? Is the truth? We need to ask ourselves this question. Um, and and I, I think about the man at the pool, and I was asking myself, why, why does this man believe that this pool can heal him? Why, why is his conviction so strong in this? Because he, he doesn't, he's not just there by himself, right, going, yep, I, I think if I get in this pool first, I think it'll heal me. And everyone around him is like, you're crazy, dude. What are you talking about? No, multitudes, they all believe the same thing. Why? Because their culture, because their religious leaders have taught them that this is the truth. And that's what we need to understand. Our culture, our culture in America, they are trying to teach you what they believe is truth. I mean, they're, and they're trying hard. They're trying real hard. They want you to believe what they believe. And so the culture is trying to tell you what to believe. And there are teachers, there are false teachers, and they are trying to tell you what to believe. And the point is, is, is we have to take the time and say, I have to know for myself what is true and what is not true. And, you know, listen, if you just believe what your pastor says, if you just believe what your pastor says, how do you know? How do you know what I'm telling you right now is actually true? You have to look for yourself. And I, what I want to do is, is I want to I talk about some of the examples of false teachings that are in the church today. And before I do that, I, I want to give you disclosures, okay? A couple disclosures before we bring up some people. Number one, number one, I love these people. I love them. I want them to know the truth. I want them to know the truth. I, I hope, I hope as they look at the word of God, as they see his word, I hope that they know and, and God shows them what they're teaching is wrong so that they can join and believe in the truth. I do not want them to go to hell. I really don't. And so I love them. Number two, listen, if, if you don't know, if let's say I, I'm going to talk about a church here in a second, and let's say you didn't know these things, and you support this church, and you like this church, or you support the pastor, or you like their music, listen, it's okay. It's okay. I'm not attacking you. I'm not attacking you. Sometimes we don't know things. In fact, the church I'm going to bring up, we sang their songs here at Freedom. We sang their songs here. We didn't know. We didn't know, but now we do. It's important that we find these things out and we address them. Here's disclosure three, though. I hate, I hate that their false teaching is leading people away from the truth of Scripture. I hate that their false teaching is bringing people away from the gospel. I hate that. I hate that. That makes me angry. That bothers me, that that is happening, and that is why we have to address it. That is why we have to address it. And so what I want to do is I want to start with Bethel Church. Bethel Church 
It's a very popular church. It's out of Redding, California. They are led by Pastor Bill Johnson. He is the senior pastor at Bethel. Um, you, may, you may have never heard of Bethel Church, um, but if not, you probably have known them by their music. Bethel Music, Jesus Culture, these are both different bands from Bethel Church. Uh, they have tons of main singers who are very popular. Brandon Lake, he's probably the most popular today. Uh, Brian and Jen Johnson, Josh Baldwin, Corey Asbury. These are all singers. And listen, over the past 10 years, they have all been in the top 10 of the Christian music industry. Very popular. Very popular. Um, and, and to be honest, like I said, we, we sang them here at Freedom, right? So, so most people know if you listen to Christian music, you know about these songs. You know about these people. And over the years... Bethel Church has been a part of many different controversies when it comes to the truth of Scripture. In fact, they have taught many different things that are contrary to the truth. They've taught the prosperity gospel. They've taught soul-sucking. They've talked about being slain in the Spirit or laughing in the Spirit. They have wrong views of the spiritual gifts and they have many different other things that you could bring up over the years at Bethel. And, and to be honest with you, my goal, my goal is not to explain why all of those things are wrong. That's not my goal. Because what I want to do is I want to bring up one point that goes above them all. And this one point really is what leads to everything else. It leads to everything else. This is what happens. Bill Johnson, the senior pastor at their church. He wrote a book many years ago. It's called When Heaven Invades Earth. When Heaven Invades Earth. And in this book, Bill Johnson is trying to tell us this is the way that Jesus is working today. And he takes the view off of the statement where Jesus says, you will do greater things than I have in this world. You will do greater things. And he takes that comment to mean, you will do greater miracles, you will, do, you will have greater visions, you will have greater prophecy, you will do so many more miraculous signs and wonders than I have done. It's all about the physical. It's all about the signs. It's all about the wonders. And he says that as human beings, we can become so close to God that we will be able to do not only what Jesus did, but better, but better. And that view comes from this. Here's, here's the biggest problem. Page 29 of his book, he wrote this. He performed miracles, wonders, and signs as a man in right relationship to God, not as God, not as God. If he performed miracles because he was God, then they would be unattainable for us. He performed his miracles not as God, but as a man in right relationship with God. And then on page 79, he adds to it basically saying this. He laid his divinity aside as he sought to fulfill the assignment given to him by the Father. This doctrine, it's called kenosis. And the idea of kenosis is this, that Jesus 
was not fully man, fully God. Jesus was fully man, and he was not God. When he came into the world, he left his divinity aside, and as a man, he lived perfectly. And as a man, he suffered and died. And in fact, as a man, he actually suffered and went to hell. And see, the problem with this teaching is this. He has completely rejected a truth of Jesus, of who he is. The key significant truth that Jesus was fully man and fully God. For Isaiah to say he will be called Emmanuel. Emmanuel. He is God with us. God with us. But why, why would Bill do that? Why would Bill reject a teaching of who Jesus is so that it fits into his false narrative, so that it fits into his false teaching? And that's what he says. He did them as a man in right relationship to God, not as God, because if he did them as God, then we wouldn't be able to do it. Then we wouldn't be able to obtain it. And see, what Bill Johnson doesn't understand is Jesus had the authority to do what he did because he was God. And the apostles had the authority to do what they did because he gave it to them. You cannot heal anyone unless Jesus has given you the authority to do so. You cannot have a vision or sign or wonder unless he gives you the authority to do it. It's all from him because he's God. Now, why is this dangerous? Why is this dangerous? Because if a teacher is willing to throw out a truth about who Jesus is, then he is willing to throw out any truth about Scripture as well, right? See, you cannot deviate from the truth of Jesus, and you cannot deviate from the truth of the gospel. When you do that, the word is called heresy. It's heresy to do that. Um, and, and I will tell you, and the thing we need to understand is, Jesus will not bow down to this false view. Jesus is not going to bow to that. He's not going to look at a church and say, I will become whoever you want me to be. He says, no, I am who I am. And you must trust in me for who I am. And see, the problem is millions of people, millions of people follow the teaching of Bill Johnson. They follow his system. They follow his worldview. And they begin to believe what he says. Taylor Walding says this in her article about Bethel Church. There are several false teachings promoted at Bethel, and it can be overwhelming to address them all. However, many of them can be understood as overflow from one primary heresy, syncretism. Bethel combines Christianity with the occult and New Age practices and ideologies. In case you're unaware, these are arguably two of the most demonic religions in the world, advocating all kinds of wickedness. At Bethel, they openly welcome and encourage the use of strictly forbidden occult practices, Christian tarot cards, astral projection, incantations, speaking things to existence, etc. And this is where the belief is found. Their New Age teachings can be found in the pastor's books, The Physics of Heaven, where in chapter 2 it is written, Now we are beginning to hear more and more revelation that is in line with what New Agers have been saying all along. And we are hearing more and more teaching about Christians taking back truths from the New Age 
that really belong to citizens of the kingdom of God. See, they are willing to align themselves with the new age false religion that we are taking back truths from a false religion. No, no, we're not. We're not. See, we stick to the truth that we were given all along. And that truth was given to us by the word of God. And they are deviating away from the truth. They are moving towards their false man-made teaching. And not only are they doing that, but they teach it to others. They teach it to others so that they will follow it as well. And you know, a good question that, that kind of arises from this, and I understand the question is, why, why does this really matter to us? Why does this matter to us? I mean, honestly, right here at Freedom, we're not teaching what they teach. We're not doing what they're doing. So why don't we just leave them alone? And why don't we do our own things? And, and I understand, too, because the problem is this. When you listen to Bethel's music, which I would say most people just listen to their music. Most people listen to the music. And when you listen to it, you don't really hear any of that. You basically just hear, well, everything they're, they're saying in their music, it's true. It's, it's right. Like, I can sing their song and believe what it says because I agree with their song. And see, Bethel, here's the thing. You know why they're so popular? Because physically, their music is fantastic. Their music's fantastic. Physically speaking, from an earthly perspective, they are great musicians. As a musician, I'll tell you, man, their voices are incredible, incredible. But we can't look at things physically. We have to look at things spiritually. You cannot base. Your, listen, if you're basing, I like this pastor because he speaks well. That's a physical point of view. That's a physical point of view. If he speaks well, but he tells you a lie every time, then it's not good, right? And so that's what we have to understand. We can't look at things physically. Guys, I'll be honest. I love Taylor Swift. I think she's great. I think she's great. Her new stuff stinks, okay? Her new stuff is horrible. Her old stuff, it's great, okay? But I'm not, because I like Taylor Swift's music, I'm not going to take spiritual advice from Taylor Swift. I am not taking, listen, don't take spiritual advice from her. Don't, please, <laughs> please don't, okay? And that, that's the point, that's the point. You can take, there are so many secular musicians who physically speaking, they are very good at what they do, but because they're good at what they do physically does not mean we align with them spiritually, right? And see, we have to understand there are people like this, like Bethel, who they're great physically, but spiritually we can't align with them. But why? Why? If what they say is true, why can't we sing what's true, right? Here's why. The Pharisees, they were the most dangerous people during the time of Jesus. They were the most dangerous people during the time of Jesus because they rejected the truth of Jesus and because of their false views, many people also rejected him. They also rejected him because of their views. And here's what Jesus says about the Pharisees. Matthew 16, 6. Jesus said to them, watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. You need to be very careful that you let just a little bit of leaven in from the Pharisees because their teaching will destroy 
your entire church. And here's, here's how Paul adds to it. Galatians 5, 9. And in Galatians, he's talking about the same false teaching, the same false doctrine of the Pharisees. And he says this, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. If you let just a little bit in and say, listen, this, it's, we know they have false teaching, but this stuff they're saying here is fine, so we'll just let this in. It will leaven the whole lump. You let just a little bit in, and it spreads, and it spreads, and it spreads like wildfire. And he's saying, this is why we have to protect our church. This is why we can't align with them. This is why we have to say no, because of this teaching, we are staying away. Because as pastors, as leaders, our main role is to shepherd. That's our main role, to shepherd, to guide, to teach. But our other main role is to protect. Do you know that a shepherd has to protect his sheep? What did David do? What did he do as a shepherd? He had to protect his sheep. They cannot protect themselves. So he protected them. You're not protecting your church by letting false doctrine in. You're not loving your church by just saying, God, it'll be okay. God will do his thing. We'll, we'll just, no, we can't do that. Let me put it this way. Let me put it this way. Right now, in the back, we have children. Our children, right? They're back there. And they're being taught the word of God. And could you imagine, could you imagine if, if those children back there, could you imagine if because of some book or some curriculum that we used from some teacher that was false or imagine songs that we sang with them back there came from some church who taught false doctrine that they grew up hearing those songs, reading those books, and then when they were old enough to understand, they grew up and they looked at you and said, I'm not following your way anymore. I'm going to go follow them. I'm going to go follow them. Would you not be devastated if just one of them did that? I could not imagine if Stephen looked at me one day and was like, I I'm going to go follow what Bill Johnson says. I don't agree with you anymore, Dad. I don't agree with your teaching. I'm going to go follow him. And I was like, why would you follow him? He's a false teacher. And he goes, you listen to their music all the time. I don't understand. Why, why did you listen to their music if you didn't align with them? See, that is what I want to protect from. Is I want to make sure that my son, I want to make sure that my children, I want to make sure that our children and all of us understand that these things aren't true. And if you choose to align with them, that's not because of us. Because we taught you, right? I want to be able to say that. And that's what we have to do. And so we have to protect the church. And, and I really think, I really think, as we look at our church today, and as we see so many churches going so far, so far from biblical truth, I really believe the reason is because we started with just a little bit. We started with just a little bit. And now we're watching it spread like wildfire. I mean, we, we can talk about so many different teachings like the prosperity gospel. The fact that in the prosperity gospel, they want to tell you that God wants to take away all your pain. He wants to take away all your trials. That if you trust in Jesus, he'll take your depression. He'll take your problems. He'll take your health problems. He'll take it all and he'll free you from all of it. He wants to give you a better paycheck. He wants to give you a better life. He wants to give you a better job. That's the prosperity gospel. He wants to save you physically. 
That, that's basically it. He wants to fix you physically. That's not what he says. Jesus did not come to save us physically. He came to save us spiritually. He came to save us from our sin. And see, the truth is, Jesus, he never promises in Scripture that he will take your pain away here. He he doesn't promise you in Scripture that he'll take your health problems away. John 16.33, Jesus actually says this. In this world, you will face trouble. In this world, you will have tribulation. That's what he tells us. He's being honest with us. You're going to face trials here. You're going to face troubles here. But then what does he say? But take heart. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. That's the joy. When you're struggling right now, some of you, you're, you're struggling right now, right? Your joy is this. In your tribulation, Christ has overcome it. It doesn't mean he'll take it away, but he's with you, and he loves you, and he's for you. And I'll tell you what, man, it makes me angry. It makes me angry when I see people come up on a stage or go up and say, listen, if you have problems in your life, Jesus will fix all of them. He'll fix all of them. He'll take them all away. And I've seen youth kids who sit there and they go, why won't he take my problems away then? Why, why isn't he fixing my family? Why isn't he fixing my parents who have diseases and trials and troubles? Why isn't he taking those things away? And I, I mean, can you think about that? Does that not break your heart? That they're being told something that's a lie and really it's leading them down a path of misery, of misery. See, but the truth tells us, listen, Romans 5, you'll face trials, but have joy because they produce character. They produce endurance. They will give you hope. And that hope does not put us to shame because our hope is in Christ and what he's done and what we have in the future. James 1, count it joy because it produces character. It will make you perfect. You can trust in him and what he's doing in your life. Trust him, trust him, trust him. He may not take it away, but trust him because Romans 8, 28, he works it for your good. He works it for your good. See, does that not give you joy? Does the truth not give you joy, right? The truth gives joy, but lies don't lead to any joy. And the prosperity gospel is one of them. And now we see, as we go through, we have Woke progressive Christianity. That, that's the new one. And man, it, it just seems like it's getting worse and worse and worse. Because you have woke Christianity basically telling you this. Be a Christian and do whatever you want. Be a Christian and do whatever you want. You can be a homosexual Christian. You can be a transgender Christian. You can live in sexual sin. You can live in whatever sin you have. You can live in it. It's fine. Do not change because He loves you. Love the world. He still loves you. You can do anything. And you know what the biggest problem, and all that stuff right there, that's a problem. That's a huge problem. You know what the biggest one is? They teach you this. The Bible is not infallible, so you don't have to follow everything it says. How do they get to such a strong belief that you can do whatever you want and still be saved? Because they throw out Scripture. They throw out scripture. That's the proof right there. That that should be the proof. That should open all of our eyes to see if they're not willing to follow the truth of scripture. That is why they believe whatever they want, 
whatever they want. And guys, it's not true. It's just not true. First John tells us, right, if you continue in sin, if you just continue to practice sin, if you just continue to live in sin, then you don't know the Father. You don't know the Father because the one who knows the Father will love him and will desire to obey his commandments. And yes, I said two weeks ago, uh, not two, I don't know, uh, I said before, right, that those who are in Christ, we don't want to live in sin anymore. We don't want to live in sin. But if we do, we have an advocate with the Father. We have an advocate. But the one who just loves sin still, they, they don't know him. They don't know Jesus. They don't know the gospel. And so we have to understand all these false doctrines and all these false teachings, they will not lead to salvation and they will not lead to Christ. And, and you know why? Again, why? Why are these things happening why are our churches going so far from biblical truth? Because we've let in a little bit, and it's spread like fire. And that's why, as a church, we have to protect ourselves. We have to chase after truth and let go of lies and attack them and attack them. We don't attack the people. We attack the lies. We attack the lies. Another reason is 2 Timothy 4, 3-4. And I know most of you have heard this. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off to myths. That is a prophecy that is clearly being fulfilled today. 100% clear to us being fulfilled today. They love their own passions. They love their own sins. And because they love their sin and they don't love God, they find teachers who will just tell them what they want. Just what they want. And that's what's happening today. And, and so my last point, as, as we close, what do we do? What, what do we do? What is the application of this? What, what should we be doing? Um, no, let's look back at our example and our story. Because what we have is we have two different things. We have a man who is believing in a man-made tradition, who is believing in his own way, and with his whole life he is pursuing, he is following a man-made belief. And on the other hand, we have Jesus, the true Jesus. Understand, not a false Jesus, not a false teaching about Jesus, not just the name of Jesus, but him, the true him, the true belief about who he is. And he is the way, the truth, and the life. And he is the only one who can open my eyes and your eyes to the truth. He's the only one. And, and how do we do this? How do we know that what we have is biblical truth? Number one, we have to surrender ourselves to him. We have to surrender ourselves to him. We have to come to him and look to him and say, Lord, I, I surrender my life. To you, if I have false teachings, and sometimes, sometimes I think we have false teachings and we just don't even know it. I think I had false teachings in my life and I, I just didn't even know they were false. I was just following them. I think that man at the pool, I just think that's what he's following. He doesn't even know. He doesn't even know. But I think what we have to do is we have to surrender ourselves and come to Jesus and say, Lord, I want you to show me what is true. I want you to teach me if there's anything in my life 
that I don't know that it's false. Can you please teach me? Can you please show me? And we have to be willing to let go of those things. Listen, if, if God's word shows you something and it's true, don't fight it. Don't fight it. Let go. Surrender. And say, I, I want to do things your way. Because I love you. That, that's the biggest point. Because I love you. And I want to trust and follow you. We've got to take our eyes off the pool. And we have to put our eyes on him. We have to put our eyes on him. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and every sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. We look to him. We rely on him. Every belief we have, we have to rely on him. You can't find truth on your own. You have to rely on Christ. And you've got to let go of all the weights, all the distractions, all the man-made traditions. Listen, I understand tradition is hard to break, especially when you grow up with it your whole life. It's hard to break tradition. But we've got to let go and make sure that it's truth. And that, that's number two. That's number two. We have to seek biblical truth. And no, I'm not saying that your church has to seek biblical truth. Yes, they do. But what I'm saying is you have to seek biblical truth. You have to find it. You have to study it. You have to be diligent. I love Paul Washer. He says this. Seeking God is hard work. Seeking God is hard work. It means you have to put the effort in. You have to look for him. You can't have your Bible sit on the couch and go, I'll figure it out one day. <laughs> okay? You have to seek it. You have to know it. It goes back to my question. How do you know that everything I just told you in this sermon is true? How, how would you know if you don't study yourself? You'll never know. I mean, you can have an opinion, but you will never know if you don't look yourself. We've got to look for the truth. We've got to study it. We've got to be able to identify, man, what this man says, it's true. What this man says is false because I've looked and I've asked for help and he has shown me. He has taught me. And yes, the spirit, the beautiful spirit that he gives us, he teaches us and he guides us and he shows us. And I do want to say with the Spirit, guys, we have to be understanding, it's not a feeling. It's not a feeling. He doesn't just, you don't just go, well, I know it's the Spirit because it feels right. No, the Spirit will guide you and teach you in His truth. And He will. That's His promise. That's His promise. That He will guide us and teach us the truth. I want to end with this verse. Proverbs 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. You want wisdom? Do you want to know the truth? Do you want to be guided in it? It starts with the fear of the Lord. It starts with a reverence for God. A reverence for Christ. And that's what it means to put Him first. That's what it means to surrender yourself. You're taking yourself out of the equation. And you're saying, my reverence is now for you. You teach me. You show me. You guide me, and I will follow you. And when you do that, you will get wisdom. You will get wisdom, and you will get understanding.
Would you bow your heads and pray with me? And as we close, I do want to say this. I think this is so important. If you in any way, you know, maybe you grew up with any of these types of teachings or maybe right now you're still struggling with them, believing in them, trusting in them. You are not exempt from the love of Christ. You are not exempt from his love. He loves you. He cherishes you. He wants you. And he does. He wants you to believe his truth. He wants you to go his way. But I just want to make sure that in, in seeing these false beliefs and maybe even believing them, I, I want to make sure you understand that Christ loves you. He wants you. All right. So come to him. Ask him to show you, to teach you, to guide you. If you have questions, we would love to talk to you okay, and help you. There are so many people here who have understanding in Scripture, and they would love to answer your questions, to talk with you about different beliefs, to talk with you about different things. So ask with those things, okay? Lord, please help us and guide us in your truth. Please walk with us and show us, Lord, your teaching. Please help us as a church to always teach the truth and love to cherish non-believers, to cherish believers who are struggling, and to just help them and guide them and show them what is true, Lord. I thank you so much for your word. Again, we, we, would, we would have no understanding without your word. We would have no wisdom without your word. And so thank you, and please guide us in your truth. We give you the glory and the honor. It's in your name we pray. Amen. If you would stand, we're going to worship one more time, and then we'll close out.